Hi, everyone. My name is Shannon Calder, licensed therapist, and I'm joined by Dr. Kathy Barrett, forensic psychologist. We talk about all topics from a psychological perspective. Welcome to Terror Talk. God. <laughs> it sounds like the zombie. You should really eat something, Shannon. Yeah. Hello, welcome to Terror Talk, in case you don't know where you're at. Because <laughs> I just started to, decided to start the show that way. Um, that was a zombie who is hungry for you. Thanks for orienting us, because I wasn't sure where I was for yeah, a moment. Yeah, no, I understand that the listener might be like, wait, what, did, what happened? So today on Terror Talk with Shannon and Kathy, we are doing zombies. Well, not literally. We're, oh, what, yeah. I saw you look at me. <laughs> you're like, excuse me, correct yourself. I didn't sign on for that. <laughs> You necrophiliac. <laughs> right. So zombies it is, um, which continues our October palooza of um, villains. So horror and disgust. Yeah, that's right. So this week is zombies. Zombies. So we will talk about many of our favorite zombie movies and TV shows. I know that's what I've been reading and watching. And then also, I think what we might start with is the psychology of zombies, which is kind of how we've been doing these episodes. Yeah, sure. Yeah, okay. there's so much, so many different. Yeah, there really is historical. Right? Mm -hmm. But I think the number one thing for me, the two biggest themes, and I'm yeah. sure you'll agree, yeah, yeah. no matter what culture we're looking at, because I know one of the documentaries I watched talked about China talked about Africa, mm -hmm. Haiti, all these different, but there's two points. One is um, the, I the idea that the dead envy the living. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, which is clearly our projection. Yes. Um, and that the, uh, what's the other one? <laughs> and that there's this revenge fantasy, like the dead oh. want to, like we're that important. Right. That they want to come back and get it in our fear of that unknown. Huh. These do sound like um, Western cultural themes. Would you say they are or did you? No, not necessarily. Interesting. Interesting. Not necessarily because in China, um, let me find this real quick. In China, I, sh I might be saying this wrong, guys, so I apologize. Zhang Shi. Okay. Chinese folklore, the ghost rises to attack the living after not being buried properly. Oh, okay. And then there's other cultures. Norse mythology in Scandinavia um, has historically the most savage zombie, all about revenge. And then the Revenant, which was the first, uh, William of Newburgh was the first zombie hunter in England, in the UK, sure. um, who talks about a person who is... Um, returning from the dead. It's the closest to the modern day zombie that we think about. But there, there are many different cultures that talk about how someone has fallen. So a ghoul, which would be Arabic, mm -hmm. someone's fallen from God, mostly a female. They, they describe her like a siren. So she was right. likely a prostitute who comes back as a desiring monster. But a lot of it has to do with like this fear and this revenge. So I thought that was very Western. It does seem, because it seems like, oh, the dead are just preoccupied with us. But, but we are seeing it. I mean, all those, th even mythology or metaphor 
comes from our point of view, right? So it yeah. does make sense. It's not necessarily narcissistic, although you no. could go that way. But no, it's anything not. we look at and any anything human, we're going to look at it from our point of view. It's really the only way we That's know right. how to do we, things. We look at God from our point of view. Exactly. Right? We personify however we look at a God or a God, deity, yeah. a deity. But I think it's really interesting because we all, none of us know for sure. Right. But every culture and every century, there's been this preoccupation with the dead being envious or coming back to harm us. In one of the cultures, I think it's the Norse mythology, I could be wrong, there's so many of them, mm -hmm. that they actually, when the body dies, when the person dies, they carry the body out of the house feet first so the the head cannot look back or know where the house is so the body cannot come back to that house. Mm -hmm. It's just yeah, fascinating. Yeah, and and I would say actually to sort of flip it a little bit is when you were saying that I was thinking well in American culture I mean one of the things that western America is most afraid of is death. We Yes. We we don't do as well with that as I I think it, as other cultures do because of course we have funerals. We have there are different rituals around death. We have memorials. We have um certain cultures within America obviously that that do better than just European Americans necessarily. But, you know, I'm making a broad statement. I'm not saying that that's true of everyone. It's just I'm, I'm aware of in America right. on, a, on a human level, on a day-to-day -day boots on Especially the ground. Especially a Christian from like a Judeo-Christian. Yeah. yeah, maybe that's... Because Jews, I, and I could be wrong, but there's a different sort of... Oh my gosh. Grieving it, it and... It does feel different. It does feel yeah. very different because... Um, well, Jews don't believe in hell, mm -hmm. right? So right. there's a different idea different. about the afterlife. Very different. But I, but the, talking about the Western piece, I think that there is what what is more modern day zombie is this fear of the end of the world, this apocalyptic mm -hmm. right thing. Yeah, I mean, if we look at so if we look at the mythology of movies and film, which is obviously what we do quite a bit, and it is our own mythology, right? I guess you could call that an American, like mm -hmm. zombies in the movies. So, okay, so what is a zombie? A zombie is a victim of a plague, basically, right? Like a kind of a plague where one plague victim bites another plague victim um, and turns into the undead, basically. And I think that the fears kind of center around, I think the way zombie movies and zombies play into our fears are that we fear a lifeless life. Like the metaphor in so many of these movies can be that we fear being zombified, like um, tuned out, uh, just going through our life with no heart, no passion, no thought. No, or even being controlled. Yes, right. Being controlled, being. Um, I, I think you know, boredom, loneliness, being empty, just being a, sh a shell of a person. Um, and, and we, I, and we. There, sorry to interrupt mm -hmm. you, but there's so much um, with technology nowadays. Like people don't have to think very much, and mm -hmm. I think sometimes we do feel. I know I often like I'll be in the kitchen sometimes. I'm like, did I just tell Alexa to do something? Cause I hope she didn't call someone. I didn't want her to call. Yeah. How mindless. Mm -hmm. And if you look at like if you look at the um, zombie folklore from voodoo, mm -hmm. right. From the, the voodoo religion with mm -hmm. Haitians or whatever, mm -hmm. it really was about this 
God, this, I think Boko is what they called him. He said that the soul becomes vulnerable and they'll be snatched up by a powerful sorcerer, Boko, locked in a bottle which the Boko uses to control the, the undead but unliving body. Other times he lets their body rest but just uses the soul. So bringing this back to what we're talking about is that fear you're talking about, which is like having zero purpose, mm-hmm. having zero control. Emptiness. Emptiness. Mm-hmm. And I think we, most humans fear that. We fear isolation. We fear um, loneliness. We feel fear emptiness. And, and although our technology, as we all talk about agnosium, uh, forces us into more isolation. Hypothetically, mm-hmm. I have some issue with that idea. It's not all bad. It's not all bad, certainly. And I don't think it has to put you into isolation. It's just you as a person and how you treat it. But like Shaun of the Dead, I think that that I think that movie, which is one of my favorite comedy horror movies, although mm-hmm. there's really real horror in there. Definitely. There's good zombie work going on in there, but it's also very funny is I think they kind of attack that a little bit. They, they, they go into the isolation of, you know, technology and stuff and kind of, I I think the good, well, any good horror movie, but a good zombie movie is got another level to it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. A cultural Mm -hmm. level to it. I think the other thing that's interesting um, is that, so, if it's about relationships too, one of the things that I notice in in the zombie uh, TV shows like The Walking Dead or zombie movies that I've really enjoyed is that one of the most frightening pieces of it or the most gut-wrenching for me and really pulls at my heart is when we fear our loved ones not recognizing us, yes. not knowing us, um, and that we have to kill our loved ones or be killed by them. Like that is such a powerful relational metaphor. And Walking Dead, that happened a lot. Yes, it did. And that first season was a lot killer because of that. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you haven't watched the first season of The Walking Dead, I mean, never mind the forty-five seasons afterwards, which you know you can choose at your own discretion. But the first season of The Walking Dead. Now I have to tell you, I, I was not like watching it along the way. I. The first season had just ended and and I kind of got on my radar and I was going to watch it. So what did I do? I binge watched it at night. Like on a or no, all day, actually, sorry. It was like a Sunday and I was zombified personally. <laughs> like I was checked out. I was empty. I was just going to watch TV all day. I was done. I was like, this is what's happening. And The Walking Dead is what I chose to watch. I watched it all day and all night. And it scared the crap out of me because about halfway through, you know, you got to go to the kitchen to get some dinner or whatever. You should. And in my house, there's no, there's not a lot of curtains and stuff in the living room. She actually so, lives in a dungeon, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. So in my dungeon, um, no. But, you know, so I, I kept seeing zombies outside. I kept thinking that they were going to come smash against the, you know, in my mind, I had just, I just completely freaked myself out. That, this, this is what was happening in my mind. That was like, like when I was watching the Baba the- Duke. Oh, exactly. I couldn't move. It freaks you out, man. Yeah. Um, yes, that you was a zombie immersed. sound, not well, Kathy's stomach. <laughs> <laughs> you, 
You get immersed though, and Walking Dead did that to me as mm-hmm. well because I'm not afraid of zombies. It was a world. Yeah, is what zo- I'm zombie films are actually to me the least scary because most mm-hmm. of them are terrible or funny mm-hmm. to me. Um, although they've tried to be more serious in the last few years with movies like World War Z and like the viral zombie and the apocalypse. I'm just kind of over that theme. Mm-hmm. But I think The Walking Dead did such a good job at not just making it this like viral, basic, predictable movie. It was seasons of watching the decline, mm-hmm. watching not only the, and people will say this when they, when they watch it. And if you've never seen the series, you, you don't get it until you watch it. The zombies actually play such a small part. Yeah, yeah. To it's me, a real TV show where there's people and relationships and, and, and the mental decompensation oh that happens because of of this plague. But the zombies are really just they're they're the villain. They're the villain, but it's the internal, mm-hmm. the mental um, decline that you see, the primal instincts that kick in, the survival, all of that stuff that we're terrified of ever having to be in that position. Mm-hmm. So I thought it, it's one of the best, it's really exceptional written shows I I've mean, ever seen. Um, you know, I haven't, I haven't completely finished it yet, but I stopped after. Oh, I'm I'm really close. Seven or eight? Yeah, I'm really close. Know. I'm 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 really close to finishing what. How many seasons what's are there? Been I don't even know. I, I think like, I, I stopped counting. I've been watching along, but I stopped counting. I, think, I'll look I it may up have gone through like season ten. I think they're on. Okay, I think I got through seven. Um, and and again, like most shows, it jumps the shark at one point. <laughs> I would say, mm-hmm. and there's lots of internet arguing about when that happened or if it happened, just like with every very popular show, eventually there was a moment when you kind of wished they would have stopped, um, but you were glad they didn't because you love the characters so much. But yeah, that first, so the first season is what I would say is like my personal recommendation, if you care about that, is to watch the first season and then see how you feel because the first season is really, I mean, this is why it's gone on for 10 seasons. Mm-hmm. Shows that suck don't go on for 10 seasons and don't remain this popular. Um, and you know what? I'll tell you this. It's one of the reasons those first few seasons, because I would say the first few were really amazing. Mm-hmm. And then there are moments in mm-hmm. the other seasons that are phenomenal, but those first reasons, it's the reason why I couldn't start watching Fear of the Walking Dead, you know, I, yeah, I the couldn't. prequel. So they did. All, they also did Fear of the Walking Dead. They started a, um, a spinoff, was what they used to call it in the old days, a spinoff of The Walking Dead, and they call it Fear of the Walking Dead, and it's the prequel. So it's when the plague, uh, you know, for lack of a better word, started the world, because the walking dead starts when the world is already overrun mm-hmm. with zombies. So they did the prequel where, and I couldn't, I couldn't start it because I was, it was so heartbreaking that first season. <laughs> I tell you, it was so emotional and it touched me so much that I couldn't do it to myself again. That's yeah. a, that's exactly the reason why I never started. I I'm that. like, I can't go. I, I'm like, I can't go through it again. I get that. I just can't do it. It was really worth it watching it because the people, the acting is really quality. And I, and I've read the comic books. I haven't read all the comic books, but I have read several and I own several of the comic books. So um, you could do that too. If you prefer that you could read the comic books. They're really good. Um, anyway, let me see. So where were we? Oh, yes. Uh, so the fear of the 
having to kill your loved ones, having them not recognize you, um, being in a, in a killer be killed situation with someone you love. I mean, there are so many metaphors for that. I think in our society, uh, many of you have been probably in relationships where it felt like either your heart was going to break or theirs was, you know, Mm -hmm. and that's a killer be killed metaphor for, for love and for heartbreak. And I, I think that's one of the reasons why this kind of show the walking dead or um, there's some other ones too, but why it touches you like 28 days later. Oh, that's in, that's in my, when we get into the movies, that's one of my, well, I've just started getting into the, (laughs) I'm just blending them in. So if we want to talk about 28 days later, then we'll take a break. (laughs) Um, 28 days later was like that for me too. Um, Heartfelt. So 28 days later was 2002. A group of misguided animal rights activists free a caged chimp infected with the rage, quote unquote, rage virus from a medical research lab. That's like the basic like world. Right. Um, And then there's this bike courier guy who wakes up from a coma a month after, I guess this happens. And he finds the city's like deserted um, and everybody's on the run from victims of the rage. Uh, and, you know, every zombie movie has a slightly different way of dealing with them. Mm-hmm. Like, I think Walking Dead sort of did that personal approach where mm-hmm. it's like the slow moving zombie. Doo, 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 oh, no, 28 days later, they were like, and 28 days speed. later, were like animals. That, on see, speed. that cre- creeped me out. The they scene, were scary. <laughs> the scene where he was in the underpass yeah. and you see their shadows coming around. Oh, the, my God. And they were. They come I, as a mob. I kind of liked, as far as fear. Because I don't really get well, scared. As far as horror movies. As far as horror movies sure. go, I sure. really loved that because usually they're just like a bunch of bumbling idiots. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were so deliberate in this film. Yeah, and it's interesting because... And it's a quiet film. So yeah, when they come... It sure is. It's... Uh, it's you hear them. You and hear them. that sound Like effect. a riot. It's like, oh, yeah. crap. It's really scary. I, I mean, The Walking Dead scared the crap out of me on many occasions. <laughs> but what it is, it's as... The reason why it was scary and the reason why I make it kind of relational and I was making those relational correlations is because The Walking Dead is scary on a one-on-one intimate level. You get up close and personal with these zombies. That's why the makeup has probably won so many awards is because it's one-on-one battles with zombies. So it's like me and Kathy barricaded in a building and we've got to kill 20 zombies that are coming in. And it's very personal. It's like hand-to-hand combat. Whereas 28 days is like, I don't know, there's a metaphor like the, because the, they call it the rage virus. So they had mm-hmm. to make the the villain or the zombies, they're a, they're a, they're a, like a virus moves through the body, yes. a fast moving, you mm-hmm. know, entity or whatever. And mm-hmm. they're Freaking scary, man. Yeah, they were that that movie scared me. And I think it's because there's such little dialogue. And it's really like there are all these places where he can hide and <laughs> but when they come, I think that's a really good metaphor. They come like a virus, like a virus attacks the body. It's fast, it's hard, it's deliberate, and it's destabilizing. And that movie I have a lot of other favorite 
zombie movies. Sure. But as far as a from a fear factor, yeah, yeah, that one scared me. Well, and it's got the violence and the gore and language and all that stuff. It's like it's it's a grown up, <laughs> it's a grown up experience. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of good actors in there too. Um, Cillian Murphy. Cillian Murphy. Um, Brandon Gleason is in there. I really liked him. He's the older Irish guy. Mm-hmm. He always plays the Irish mob guy. Uh, he's in it. Yeah, that. I mean, I would recommend that. Like, Twenty Eight Days Later would probably be on my top fifty, like recommendation horror movies. Like, it would be in there. Mm-hmm. It sort of. I don't know if it's an. I mean, it's Fox Searchlight, so it's a little bit more indie than the average. It was pretty indie when it came out. I think it, when it came out, it was considered that. I mean, the box office was for it looks like forty five million, which is is an indie kind of mm-hmm. kind of box office these days. So we're going to take a little bit of break, a little bit of break. We're going to take a little bit Whatever of Whatever you'd like. <laughs> we're going to take a bit of a break and be right back because I my mouth obviously needs one. So we'll be right back. While we take a break, go follow us on Instagram at Terror Talk Podcast, Twitter at Talk Terror, or on our Facebook page, Halloween All Year Long. If you prefer email, it's terrortalkpodcast at gmail.com. So reach out. If you like us, you can help us by subscribing and leaving a review on iTunes, or check out our Patreon page. We upload new episodes every Wednesday and Friday. Keep coming back, but first, stick around for more of our show. I just he's eat oh oh he's eating maybe or it's <laughs> a little burp after he had his dinner yeah that was that the... was a zombie burp that right? was a burp or it was like a wah like a scream like a zombie scream yeah. I don't know a number of things I I'm just <laughs> um hi this is Terror Talk with Shannon and Kathy in case you lost your way and didn't know who zombie. you were listening to yeah i'm having fun with um uh, sound effects this month i'm enjoying this i'm not sure that when we do other true crime stories that i'll be able to really get away with that so i was using the sound effects for fun that's how they should be used she's looking at me like i'm <laughs> literally insane okay so psychology of zombies weaving in some movies um one of the things i kind of well i wanted to talk about was you know i think one of the psychological concept concepts in zombies and zombie movies and dealing with this topic is that we have to fight zombies right to survive and so i was i was struck and i was reading some things and i was struck by the idea that you know, we we have the major characters like in The Walking Dead or in any zo- good zombie movie or TV show, those characters, the heroes, they have to have major character strengths um, to overcome. And they go on an arc, right? They might start like as a particular kind of person. Mm-hmm. And then the apocalypse happens. They have to shoot their loved ones in the head or you know, stick them in the brain with a knife or what have you. And that changes a person. Well, there's a resiliency that mm-hmm. builds. Yeah, I think so. And in psychology, there's often a lot of discussion and there's certainly a lot of research around character strengths and 
what character strengths will, you know, help you live longer, what character strengths are the wisest, most successful people have, you know, there's all those kinds of, um, those kinds of research studies and those kinds of conversations. So it's like strengths of character. So what are we talking about? We're talking about things like things that maybe don't relate to zombies, but things like creativity and curiosity and open-mindedness, that kind of stuff, love of learning, um, wisdom, those things are our character strengths in our world, but there's also strengths of courage, right? So bravery or valor, uh, persistence, integrity, vitality. So, you certainly have to have a certain amount of vitality and courage to fight zombies for 10 seasons. I think too, if you think about the way zombies are written into films and the, the storyline mm-hmm. is that it's very trauma based, mm. right? So when a zombie apocalypse happens or when there's this viral thing or whatever, or it's, or it's Romero's night of the living dead, who is really the first mm-hmm. to really um, put the, that, that, uh, viral apocalyptic type zombie onto screen, at least in that dramatic of a way, it's very traumatizing, right? All of a sudden, this these people, their life can um, transforms overnight. And um, when, what we know about trauma, first of all, is um, trauma is not what happens, it's the response to what happens. So when you look at people who are survivors of trauma, there's power in numbers. So when you watch a lot of zombie movies, it's a lot of times why we will see these groups of people who are working together to get through it. And when you watch movies like 28 Days Later, where it's more isolating, it's far more depressing and more Mm -hmm. traumatic. But the Resident Evils, the Walking Deads, the... um, Night of the Living Dead, they're in that house together, they're boarding that up. There tends to be this camaraderie that happens. There's often a story of mm-hmm. community, of leadership, right? Of, yeah, one person needs to step up. Of who you are in a group. Like I, I ask that question of people in every interview I do. It's one of my interview questions for staff is I, I'm always the one that says, so who are you in a group? Because I really am interested if one, someone has thought about it or done their psychological work to know who they are in a group. Mm -hmm. And some people in interviews, they can actually give a really good answer. Like I can give an answer to that. Mm -hmm. You can probably give an answer to that. Mm -hmm. I think anybody who's done any kind of self-analysis, which is what I'm testing for, knows who they are in a group. And Mm -hmm. I think that's one of the things. It's like, who are you? Are you... The guy that steps up and gives everybody orders and and provides that leadership, that containment, right? Mm -hmm. Because leadership gives containment. Absolutely. I mean, mean, you can't be, you can't be freaking out if you're the leader. They're all dead. If if there's no um, leader in a zombie movie, they're just all dead. Right. (laughs) Um, And then there's the, you know, the warriors, right? Mm -hmm. There's like the badass uh, in The Walking Dead. It's the black woman who's so amazing with the braids. She's amazing. I love her. She's amazing. She isn't, she's not in season one. She comes in later. So. Mm -hmm. Um, she's a badass warrior, you mm-hmm. know, there, um, the older white lady actually, mm-hmm. who's friends with the motorcycle guy, who's my favorite. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and these are not their character names, obviously. Uh, the warriors, um, what other characters are in the group of a zombie fighting apocalypse? There's like the brains. A yep. lot of times there's like the person that comes up with the plan. Like they go like, how are we going to get out of this? And then there's always the nurturer in there too. Mm-hmm. The one who's sort of taking care of the wounds and calming everybody. The nurse, and being the, the, mother. the nurse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sure. Um, but I think that I, I always, when I watch zombie movies, that's the first thing that occurs to me is there's this been this massive um, trauma mm-hmm. that's happened. And then they're now left with that. And just like with trauma, 
if you have very little time between traumas, it's going to be our, our mindset starts to change. Our resilience starts to change. We start to break down. And in The Walking Dead over those 10 seasons, there's less and less time between trauma and you see the characters change. You do. Because of it. You absolutely do. And I mean, I think there's a lot of trauma. There's a lot of way each individual person's trauma. But the first, of course, thing that comes to mind is grief. You, you're grieving. You're, it's a complete uh, turnover of your life. And anyone who's lost someone important to them knows that it forever changes you. And you have a longing to go back to the way it was in some ways. But then you move through a grief process and I think I think The Walking Dead does one thing really well. Well, many things really well. And I think there's other many other movies that do it well. But they move the characters through a grief process mm-hmm. that first season. And maybe that's you know looking back, I hadn't really thought about it, but maybe that's what was so um, heartfelt to me is mm-hmm. that I really felt those characters' grief for their lives. Oh my god! Because that's what I would imagine. I would grieve showers. Yeah. And I would grieve people. I mean, like everything between, um, you know, a a tuna fish sandwich and Mm -hmm. and my best friend or my partner or whatever that died. So it's like freedoms that are lost too. I I think about that all the time when I watch those types of shows, Uh, the show in particular, because it goes on for so long. Movies, not as not necessarily. I'm looking more for horror in the movies, I guess. I think another piece too is you notice that these groups that are formed, they're oftentimes formed and they're forced to get along. They're forced to work together. Um, You see all those group dynamics. Yeah. And it's like a college project. Mm -hmm. Do you feel me? Yeah. (laughs) I don't want to do another group project. (laughs) I'm doing all the work. Can Um, I just write the paper alone? (laughs) But when push comes to shove and it's about survival, they fall into their roles. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, and when you look at major traumatic disasters like Mm 9-11, Hurricane Katrina, those things where people who may not have been best friends, when it went down, there's a camaraderie. They're like, okay, we need to either show up or get the fuck out because we have, we now are a group, whether we like it or not. It's true. I mean, I I think in in the good, the good drama will will orchestrate that in situations where, you know, the dude who doesn't like the other dude ends up saving the yucky, you yeah. know, the other dude's life. And yeah. then, then they're friends. And that happens in the walking dead. It happens in every good movie with a group well, dynamic. In the right? first season, when you find out he's still alive mm-hmm. and the one dude's in love with his wife and yeah. he comes back and it's like this oh. whole, I mean, there's just, there's so much there. It's literally a, Family, you know, a drama. It's literally a family drama, only they're in the apocalyptic mm-hmm. world fighting zombies every now and then. Yep. <laughs> and uh, just when you think you're comfortable sometimes, just mm-hmm. when you get a breath, it mm-hmm. starts to ramp up again, which... There's very little time in between these traumas, like I was saying. And he gets... What's his name? The main guy. I don't love know. Love him. I'll he was in love, actually. Um he gets harder and harder and harder and harder as the time. cop. Yeah. 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 It's, um, it's a tough, I I'm thinking right now, as we're talking about, it, I'm thinking like, how did I watch that all in a day? Because it really did affect me. It's like when you get into a really good book and you read like a series of two or three books and you have this 
kind of time where you're a little bit delusional, where mm-hmm. you think you're a little bit in that world. I remember when I saw, and this is a total tangent, but I remember when I saw The Matrix, I felt like that. Oh, right. I just kind of came out of that movie wanting to chop people with right. my hands, which I'm not I'm not capable of doing. She still does that. <laughs> well, I know there's... Um, Norman Reedus, of course, who I love. Oh, no, yeah, he's great. But I can't, the guy I'm talking about, he was, the first thing I ever saw him in was Love Actually. It's Andrew Lincoln. Thank you. He plays Rick Grimes. I love him. I had to look it up, sorry. Because I just don't keep that stuff. He's English, but he does a great American accent. Yeah, and Norman plays Daryl. Daryl. Yeah, Norman's. And his story starts so different than it is now. I've been watching so many seasons of him as a lone wolf, but it started like with a brother and all Mm -hmm, kinds of stuff. mm -hmm. So yeah. Anyway, enough about the walking dead, right? You brought up actually, um, quintessential George Romero trilogy night Mm -hmm. of the living dead, which was 1968. And then there was dawn of the dead, which is 1979. Mm -hmm. And then day of the dead, which was 1985. The original night of the living dead, the black and white. Yes. Still one of the scariest. There's something about sitting in the comfort of your own home and the idea that they look out the window and the next thing they know that they're having to build a, that they're, they're now trapped in their own home. Yep. And I remember watching that as a little kid and it was old when I saw it. Yeah. Oh yeah. And it still freaks me out because it's that idea of here you are like when you were watching the walking dead and you're like, yeah. I don't even want to look in my backyard right now. If that was actually real, mm-hmm. it's because your brain convinces you of things. It's and, the feeling you yeah. want to feel when you watch a zombie movie. It is. You want to be creeped out. I mean, that's what you want. And Romero <laughs> actually, it wasn't until the movie was out and he was doing press. He actually, the, the original script, he referred to them as ghouls. Yeah. So it wasn't until later on that it was changed to zombies. And then when, Day of, Dawn of the Dead was next? Uh, yeah, Dawn of the Dead. Dawn of the Dead was next. In Dawn of the Dead, from the original script, they full were called... 11 years later, by yeah, the way. Yeah, they Sorry, were called know. zombies, but he he actually referred to them as ghouls. Yeah, it's like a it's a cult classic. If if you... You gotta, you gotta see it, man. Um, so we often tell stories about our um, movies. I think it's the series we should call movies Shannon and Kathy saw too early because... <laughs> because we often bring those up and you know our very first episode ever um thank you so much if you've actually heard it i think it was like 20 minutes long and we talked about (laughs) it was only a year ago but it feels like a really long 70 episodes a a, a, you know away but um we talked about our you know our first horror and so night of the living dead is one of those for me my stepfather loved this movie and yeah, I didn't see it obviously in 1968, but I did see it in the 70s, <laughs> like late 70s. And I I was what, 12? And I know that sounds kind of old maybe to people, but no, I was not an old 12. <laughs> yeah. I, I was I, I, it was the 80s for me, but I was probably like 7. You know what? No, I'm thinking of it right now. I think it was early 80s because, yeah, no, I think it was like 80, 81, something like that. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I th- I'm I'm having the memory. Like I literally remember the room we were sitting in. I remember him talking about how it was like his favorite movie, and I think I walked yeah. in on him watching it, and then stayed for a while, and then ran away pretty quickly. It's but, yeah. it's done well, especially for that time. Mm-hmm. It wasn't extremely gory necessarily. It was more psychologically tormenting. Um, yeah, I mean, look at the pictures. I'm looking at the pictures online. Look at the freaking press pictures for that movie. I yeah, mean, it's, it's it's more of like a psychological thriller. I mean, there's definitely horror elements to it. Yeah. Because they do, you know, get all bloody and stuff. But it was black and white. Yeah. Um, and black and white, if, if people have ever done indie horror films, which mm-hmm. I did one back at Michigan State. Um, was it a zombie movie? It was a zombie movie. Ooh, tell us about it. So I did one with a friend of mine called Something Smells Like Zombie. It was. It actually entered in Sam, um, not Sam Raimi, um, who's our other guy who does Evil Dead. Sam Raimi and, um, can you look him up for me, please? I will, I am. It was his film festival um, in Michigan. Now, if you guys are familiar with the Evil Dead series, all of that was filmed in Michigan. And I think... Maybe Michigan State. Well, Sam Raimi directed The Evil Dead. Yeah, but it's it's what's his name who's in it? Bruce okay. Campbell. Oh, Bruce Campbell. So Bruce Campbell did, it was his film festival. My brother, my, my friend Matt and I did a movie. We had a guy who. It was a short. Um, it, was a, it was a short. Mm-hmm. And he actually did horror makeup. We found him at, through a friend. It was all in black and white. So he used um, pudding for and he, he actually built a pump through somebody's arm so when she got bit she would squeeze the pump and the pudding came out as pus he went to the deli and got <laughs> lamb intestines and they had to those were coming out of my friend rob and we had uh, it was so so anyway we get we submit Super this fun. film bruce takes it he comes out and all these people submitted all these cheesy artsy fartsy films. It was not a horror film festival at all. Oh, okay. <laughs> so people are like, what is this? You know, and he comes out of the intermission. He's like, something smells like zombie. Oh, and I look at Matt and I go, we just made it. <laughs> yeah. And it was all filmed at Michigan state, but evil dead was another really great series. Yes, it was. Um, this is now, now we're getting more into that campy. Yeah. Um, I have a few of those stuff, but my absolute <laughs> favorite one yes is peter jackson dead alive it's the goriest zombie film to this day ever made <laughs> and it's about a, a guy who's like obs- i think he's obsessed with this girl but he has this mother who's controlling she gets bit at a zoo by a chimp or a monkey that has this flesh-eating oh. zombie thing she comes home she starts to transform he's trying to make the day normal i think the girl's over and she's i remember the the mother's at the table eating soup and her ear falls into the soup <laughs> and the best part the best part of the film is when he's just fucking had it and he straps the lawnmower to his chest and he just starts walking through the yard and a night but it's all done with the prosthetics <laughs> it's super gory and it's Peter Jackson way before Lord of the Rings. And he was actually in it and directed. I think it was 1992. Wow. Best zombie film, in my opinion. That's your, that's your, that's absolute, my number one. That's your number one. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So Shaun of the Dead, as I, as I already mentioned, is one of my like comedy ones um, that I would say I love, like the first time I saw it, I just loved it because I have not actually always been a zombie movie fan Me neither. necessarily. And I think it's because of the the 
Day of the Dead, Night of the Living Dead situation when I was younger because I saw it too early mm-hmm. and it scared the crap out of me. And so I just never wanted to watch anything zombie because I really literally did think it was very creepy. Mm-hmm. Um, but but then I got over it and Shaun of the Dead was certainly one of those ones that did it for me. And then more recently, um, I Zombie is a TV series yeah. on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Um I'm a huge fan of Zombieland. I'm waiting for, I can't wait for the new one. Yeah. I love that movie. So there's going to be another one, probably multiple ones, right? It just, I think the new one is just out. (laughs) And then, so the other one, what the hell? Oh, the Santa Clarita Diet. Oh, yes. I totally forgot about that. Yeah, so there's these campy, for those of you who don't watch zombie stuff, like Santa Clarita Diet has um, Drew Barrymore in it. And what's his face from Justified? Timothy Oliphant. Oh, my God. Yeah, he's great. I had such a crush on him and um, Justified, which is a series I have watched he's a great three, actor. three times. Because uh, I love Western stuff, which I could do an episode on, like, my the top five Western series of all time. By the You'd way. You'd be alone on that one. No one will care. Nope. Uh, except for me and the other people who like Westerns. Justified. Oh. <laughs> Anyway, great show uh, though. Or Saving Grace with Holly Hunter. Hello. Anyway, Western set. Dial it places. Back. All right, all right. Tangent. Santa Clarita Diet. I loved it. Me too. I loved it. It's it's really great. It's a binger. It. And it's and I know, don't binge. And you don't binge. And it's well, a binger. Because it's goofy and funny and she's great. Yeah. And it is funny. It's They're really both funny. really funny. Uh and so then I Zombie is another one that I've enjoyed. I'm trying to think of I other- heard that's good. I've never seen it. Yeah, it's pretty good. Like camp stuff. But there's um oh, what's it called? Um campy horror zombie. There's a lot of like wannabe serious ones too. Oh, for sure, that are just bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There is a lot of those. There's like sorry, Army of Darkness. Um That's Bruce Campbell too. What is um What's the one, though, that tries to be serious? Oh, man. What's the main guy from Bram Stoker? The vam- vampire hunter. What's his name? Um, wow, we're having some brain farts today, are Seriously. We? And there's a series named after it. And I tried watching it, and it was really bad. There's a movie <laughs> named after it, too. I don't watch too much camp um, zombie movies, I guess, so I can't really help series. you out. <laughs> Van Helsing. Oh, God. Not the movie with okay. Kate Beckinsale. The there's a series out I tried watching and I'm like, mm, nope, <laughs> mm, nope. Yeah, all right. So one of the other things I want I would mention is um, Cronenberg. David Cronenberg mm-hmm. did um, actually a couple of zombie movies back in the 70s, um, and some people pick Rabid as their favorite Cronenberg zombie movie and some people pick pick shivers um i mean so rabbit is 1977 uh surgery leaves a montreal motorcycle motorcyclist with a blood-sucking appendage in her armpit soon she has an insatiable thirst for human blood yeah so there's that yeah it's a real hoot um so and then shivers is after a scientist living in a posh apartment complex slaughters a teen girl and kills himself investigators discover that the murderer had been carrying on experiments involving deadly parasites so 
the, where the the people become hosts of the deadly parasite and turn into erotically obsessed maniacs who pass the bugs on through violent sex. So if that sounds like something you'd like to. Should, should I watch that before or after the human centipede? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> the parasite murders. Oh, God, we do a whole episode on that. <laughs> I know it's really wrong, but there's a fetish for everything. There's a genre for everything. Yeah, there really is. And I think that, I mean, like we've said, the best ones have sort of the arc of the heroes. It's not so much about, it's, it's really just like any good mythology. It's about the zombies personify something in ourselves. I'm going to get psychological here for a second. Okay. <laughs> the zombies personify our shadow. Mm-hmm. And I would argue that the shadow, bringing it back to what we were talking about at the beginning, the shadow of the zombie or what's in us is being um, controlled. Like you said, uh, being lifeless, being empty, uh, being meaningless and think about you you work with clients as do i the number one fear i think that most people come in with and it may look differently in everyone one being a meaningless having a meaningless life Mm -hmm. and being lifeless and um what's the third one and just empty an empty, yeah, meaning you know, meaningless life, feeling empty, having zero purpose, yeah, isolated, not being validated, all of these things that just make them feel so, just without it's, purpose. It's what defines humanity. Yeah, and so if you are the undead, or that's a vampire. Sorry, skipping ahead. Um, <laughs> if you're a zombie, you're you're also, living dead. You know, the other thing we haven't actually mentioned in this conversation that just strikes me is that zombies are driven by prim, prim, primitive desire, yes. which is what we had with werewolves, mm-hmm. um, which is what we have sort of with all of these in different, slightly different ways. But zombies are pure hunger. Mm-hmm. So what is it? So what is it like? Exactly. So what is it like to be in a life where you are purely hungry for things that you can't get? Mm -hmm. um, That that's all you want to do is you're just hungry for that one thing. Yeah. Yeah. And all you want to do is feed. I just that's a little bit like vampires, too. So we'll probably draw that correlation. And, And addiction. And addiction. Exactly. So it's that shadowy nastiness and no matter how much they feed it's never enough right i think yeah i think that's a great point it's endless hunger Mm -hmm. so insatiable insatiable you cannot be satisfied and that is probably i mean i think that can be someone's greatest strength and greatest weakness Mm -hmm. because if you embrace that in yourself as as a part of your shadow because I, I think it's probably part of my shadow is like an I have an can endless channel it right. Yeah, I have an endless amount of things I want to do in this life, mm-hmm. and I know that I will not do them all. Right, and there are days when that's a really debilitating thought, and it can freeze you and have you not follow your passions and not do things. Mm-hmm. Um, but it can also be a strength where you're like, let's just keep doing stuff. Mm-hmm. But. In this, in a negative, it's an insatiable desire that is never quenched. And you're afraid of it. 
Yeah. Right. You fear it versus embracing it. Just like anxiety. You know, when I work with clients, I said, you can run from it or you can run at it. We don't want to get rid of it. It's there for survival. But do we run into it? Do we use it in a way that makes us motivated and assertive or do we use it to paralyze us? And I think this is the same sort of thing. Does it turn into an addiction? Does it become this thing that we're trying so hard to get rid of that it becomes more insatiable? Or is it something that we go, hmm, how can I use this in a way that makes me motivated and passionate about life? And so these are, this is where our work sometimes as clinicians is to go, how how much better can you use this feeling? Can you assert this somewhere else in your life that it doesn't become a curse, but it actually becomes a blessing? And this is what we oftentimes do with addiction. I always tell people who are um, addicts, if you could take 10% of the energy that you put into that addiction and channel it into something positive, you could, addicts could run the fucking world. Oh my God. With what so they have skilled. in them. Almost all, uh, and Kathy and I both worked in addiction centers. So it's like, Almost every single person I've ever met that had any kind of addiction was, oh, and I, you know, I'm I'm definitely generalizing, but many of them, in, entirely savvy, entirely smart, resourceful, oh my resilient. God. Um, what they could get in a limited time to survive, and those words that they get called that you know manipulative mm -hmm. and all of that. Those are all skills that in the right workplace, in the right channeled into such in the, a positive in creative fields. Hell, again, like you said, politics rule the world. <laughs> they can Ch rule the world. They for could. Sure. Absolutely. So, but you know, that's therein lies the rub. Yep. Right. Um, yeah. And, and, and I think in the room, meaning in the therapy room, there have often been times when I've used my my addiction to media and movies and TV and my passion for this, um, for both these things, including psychology, I, I could say to a client, I mean, that would what be what the intervention looked like is I would say, it strikes me that you're a zombie in your life, mm. you know, and and how that that kind of sentence or that kind of reflection for somebody especially anybody who you you know in the room would know what that felt like or would know what that mean from a cultural standpoint like mm -hmm. that would be an important reflection like what you're talking about like you're a zombie in your life okay let's look at that what is a zombie etc and then everything we've discussed yeah today is kind of what that looks like mm -hmm. uh right zombie zombie i'm not feeling like a zombie nope nope i'm not feeling like this guy not not feeling like that guy no <laughs> oh he's very mad he seems very mad uh we're gonna take a break and we'll come back with our what the hell segment we'll be right back Here we are. This is Terror Talk with Shannon and Kathy. This is our What the Hell segment, which is a segment that we do each week about a ridiculous crime story, basically. We don't do any research. We just independently each find one and then try to crack each other up with them. That's basically become what it is. And there really are an abundance of morons. There sure is. And I, I don't know about you, but I have started to think that I have read it before. And certainly there might be ones that I've just... Yeah, there, there might be one or two we've however, done, but there's a lot of overlap. There's a lot of people pooping on floors. There's a lot of people doing 
There's a lot like of pooping. shooting their genitals off. There's, There's a, a lot, lot of, of people, um, you know, getting caught in front of police officers. There's just a lot of themes. I had no idea when we started this segment. There's another tonight when I do mine. Mm -hmm. There's another theme here. Okay, You'll so see. you are bringing something new to the table, but a a, a a theme we've had. Oh, oh, oh. Okay, 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 okay. Gotcha, 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 gotcha. I don't know if mine has a theme. I'm gonna go first because mine's a quickie. Um. Right. So this is Crossville, Tennessee. Sally. Her name is Sally. Sally took an electric shopping cart. Stole it, I believe, from a local Walmart store early on Friday. This is in April. This is all predictable. Go on. <laughs> this, is, this is April of this year. She took she stole an electric shopping cart from the local Walmart and drove it down Highway 127 in the slow lane. <laughs> I'm gonna say I'm gonna say something is slower than the lane, and that would be Sally. But um, like going like like five miles per hour. So it, right. So here's the really funny visual. Like if that's not the oh funny visual, God. let me just add. Let me just show you the funny visual that I had. So with this sentence, police pursued at a very low speed. <laughs> <laughs> Sally, don't make us walk up to you, Sally. <laughs> All I could envision is like Sally and there's a picture of her. It's like the middle-aged woman with the, you know, overweight with the hair flowing and, you know, white lady. And she's on the little cart going whatever. And they're going six go miles an hour and, and they're, they're pursuing going her. They use the word pursue in the, <laughs> they're pursuing her. And you can, like you said, you can just hear them on the intercom, like Sally, pull over. Um, so when officers were able to get her to stop, you can imagine. Can you pull over, ma'am? <laughs> no, please. Please pull over. Uh, Sally reportedly told them she took the cart from the Walmart and was driving to the Waffle House to get a cup of coffee. <laughs> oh, my God. She just needed a vehicle. I'm sorry. I can't afford an Uber, so. I'm going to steal that. So that's, she could have walked faster, maybe. <laughs> that's my story. That's awesome. That's a great visual. Why, thank you. <laughs> you. Ready for this, moron? I'm so ready. Ruben. Hi, Ruben. Zarate. Okay. I think. It's called Call Me Maybe. <laughs> Is what me, we may dub the tale of Ruben Zarate, an 18-year-old, young-blood, warm-blooded two, maybe and most definitely dumb in the process. He, um, so what he did, he, he tried to rob a store, mm -hmm. but he lacked the robbery skills, mm. which deserves more than just a position on the list of dumbest criminals ever, mm -hmm. as they say in the article. Mm -hmm. So we know that teenagers can be reckless and really stupid, all right? They make mistakes at a higher rate, generally. Yes. Um, so this is what he does. Our friend Zarate he tries to rob a store thinking he's a badass or the most feared criminal in town, as though people are to shudder and jump to his tune. Mm -hmm. He goes into the store. He gives his number to the cashier to give to the boss of the store to like, tell that boss mm. when I arrive, he needs to open that safe, <laughs> phone him just to hand the money to him when he arrives. Mm. Okay. Clever a boss of the store that he was, he did call him back to tell him to please come back. Take the money as requested. Zarate comes back. 
greeted by a swarm of police mm-hmm. waiting to arrest him yeah. and feast with donuts and lattes in his dumb ass back at the station. Yeah. So he believed that this guy, and there's the that egocentricity at that age that we've talked about. He really believed that this guy was calling him back to give him the money. Yeah, so this is what I hear. He's like, here's my note. Here's my demands, right? He's going to do gives it. him a note and he says, get this money. I'm going to come back. He comes back thinking like the delusion that the guy is scared of him. This That's is what like I the hear. second or third time we've had the robbery of the call ahead. The narcissistic robbery. Yeah, I'm robbing you now. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Thanks. Okay. Yeah. No, you're not. <laughs> to think um, that would work. I just, I would love to pick his brain and go, what were you or were you not thinking? Yeah. Hashtag fail. Yeah. Right on. So that's our What the Hell segment. Next week on Terror Talk, please tune in on Wednesday. We'll be doing an episode on vampires. So if you are just tuning in, we've done this month ghosts, werewolves, zombies and today, and vampires next week, and then witches. So we're trying to cover it all. Please come back and see us. Hit us up on Instagram, Twitter, etc. I know that Kathy's got a a uh, poll going for a true crime series in the spring that she would like everybody to answer of whether or not she's going to do Ramirez or Dennis Raider. Ramirez is winning guys. So if you'd rather hear Raider, let me know now. Yeah. So for the true crime fans out here that have made it to the end of this uh, zombie filled episode, please go on our Instagram. And I believe there's a picture of Raider and Ramirez and you just go into the comments and you vote with what you want to, which you want her to do. I will be doing, it's already been decided. I will be doing a true crime series on Richard Kuklinski in the middle of November. So that's what's coming up. We really very much appreciate you listening. This is Terror Talk. My name is Shannon. And I'm Kathy. Sleep safe, everyone. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Terror Talk. If you enjoyed this show, there are two things you could do for us. Subscribing and sharing our episodes on social media, as well as writing a review on iTunes. Plus, you could check out our Patreon page. Don't hesitate to contact us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. We upload new episodes of Terror Talk every Wednesday and of Shrink Chat every Friday. Until then, goodbye and have a pleasant tomorrow.